Welcome to Soap, a story of the Tates and the Campbells, whose normal life is anything but normal, with co-hosts Tom Diamond, Vicky Ray, Jesse Fultz, and Keith Chowgo. Soap operas come and go, but there has never been a soap opera like Soap. Welcome to the Literary License Podcast, and today we are still covering our soap retrospective, season two, episodes 25 to 32. And before we get started, we'd like to see what we all have been up to, and seeing as it's just little old me and Keith. Keith, what have you been up to? Um, uh, What I've been up to, I watched um, a bloody brilliant horror film on Netflix called Blood Red Sky. I saw that. I didn't watch it. It's a, um, I think it's Russian. Um, now, the thing is, you can watch it with subtitles. You can watch it dubbed. Um, we watched it dubbed um, only because I was a bit tired. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. It's a really good movie. I suggest, you know, give it a, give it a shot. It's got, I don't really want to spoil too much, but it's about a woman going to America to get treatment and the plane gets hijacked. Doesn't she, she turn into some kind of, she uh, she turns into a, she's a vampire. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I, I saw. I watched the the trailer, and I thought that she was going to turn into some kind of virus, kind of monster, kind of thing. Yeah, um, it's it's really good because um they went with the the vampire makeup is more of the Nosferatu type with her, oh, which cool. I like. Well, yeah, I should watch like it. That, but but it's, you know, it's violent. It's got a good story on it. The boy's cute. Um, her son. Um, boy's cute. And violence it, and it, the boy's cute. It's kind of like Passenger 76 meets 30 Days of Night or Passenger 57. So it's kind of like a hybrid sort of film, but I really like that. And then I've been watching this Indian comedy um, written by Mindy. um, Oh, I can't remember. Mindy Carling, I think her name is. I can't have have her last name wrong, but she did the Mindy Project. She also wrote The Office, The American Office as well. She's also in that. But this is about an Indian girl living in um, Sherman Oaks, California, really fun it's called never have i ever um and basically she's just a bit of a bitch and it's, it's a good <laughs> show actually and her mom's like really strict and really been enjoying that and then um and i'm looking forward to chucky the new tv series coming out in october i saw that well who's who's hosting that um well dan Montini, who's done all the chucky films up uh, he didn't do the reboot or whatever that horrible thing was that came out a year or whatever two that was but basically, it's a continuation of the series. So Jennifer Tilly's in it. Um, Alex Vincent, the original um, kid in it from the movie, um, the original Child's Play, and he's been in the last couple of them. Fiona um, Fiona Dorough is in it as well. She was in the last two. So it is a continuation of the movie, the movie um, franchise. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like starting to read up on that and can't wait to see that because I like I like the Chucky film franchise. I mean, they're fun. And I like the way that it's probably one of the only horror franchises from the 80s that makes sense. You know, it's like, like you know, it's like the storyline continues on and on and on. It's not like 
Friday the 13th or ha- I mean Halloween storylines all over the place. I can't keep track of. Oh, there's no continuity. Yeah, there's no continuity. Texas Chainsaw Massacre has no continuity. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street continuity is kind of all over a place a little bit. So, so it's good to see. And I think the 80, um, out of all the 80s films, I think Chucky probably has the best continuity. You know what I mean? They keep bringing back. And there's even talks that Catherine Hicks might be ma- making a, um, a surprise appearance. That'd be cool. So, but yeah, yeah they are fun. They are violent. Outside of that, setting up interviews and sort of things. And that's about it, really. So what about yourself? Not a whole lot at all. I've uh, just got home from New York a couple days ago. And that was an ordeal, of course, because the planes didn't have pilots and the planes didn't have gas. So anyway, that's just the way it is. So make sure you check your flights, people, especially if you're booking with Spirit or American Airlines, because they'll take your money and then screw you at the airport. (laughs) They will. They They got that problem here is that people are going to Europe. For holidays, and then what? Then, then wherever they are goes in lockdown. They're stuck there. <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you, it's like... kind of scary because you don't know. You just don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, we think we know, and then fuck, there they go, there they go yeah. again. You don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, and even and like, and you know, now we got this thing now that if you've been double, if you've been, even if you've had your double vaccinations, booster, maybe double vaccine, and what's happening is that we have this NHS app that's pinging so basically mm-hmm. like if you're in like a crowded place and someone comes someone gets covid while you're in this crowded place that everyone gets pinged sort of thing so that means like, <laughs> home for 10 days mass hysteria panic the disco yeah but so you know so the thing is, but the government's come with this thing like okay well everyone has to like isolate except for healthcare workers where they have to go to work <laughs> this is of like, course so the people who are actually dealing with people with immunosuppressive diseases and all this other stuff will probably have COVID and be working on these patients, but everyone else who has no, you know, probably has no dealings in any immunopressive people or are very happy to stay home. So I don't, right. I mean, things are messy. Everything's messy. It's, I don't think anything's ever going to be unmessy ever again. So. <laughs> yeah. I found, I don't know. I think it was uh, Joe that was talking about full, full moon productions and stuff. Hi. Well, Tubi's full of them. And I don't know how I let those little gems get out of my way. I I watched one last night. And actually, I watched one before. They're like Killjoy movies. It's the Cologne. Oh, yeah. I've, heard the about clown. I've never actually seen one. But it's, it, they're, yeah, well, I didn't think I was going to like it, but they're one of those movies that are so stupid that they're brilliant, kind of, you know, and clowns. I hate clowns. So why am I watching this? I don't know, but it's just funny as shit. And I mean, it's just a new spin on clowns and demons and stuff. The last one I watched where Beelzebub was not happy that he let a girl get away. So they put him on trial in hell and stuff like that. It, it's it's just it's just funny. It's just good, clean fun. And they had a couple other things on there that were fun to watch. I, I, I haven't gotten through. You got one about a killer bong. Kill- killer, um. no, the killer bong. I, I could, I lasted five minutes, I think. I probably yeah. need to try again just because I, I have think- to. I, I hate it when I can't get through a, a crappy Ed Wood kind of B movie. <laughs> I think you just need to be extremely intoxicated and or high, which is not and, a and problem. Illegal substances, <laughs> unless you're in the right state and illegal substances. So depending on what state you're in. <laughs> oh yeah, which in, in Watertown, New York, it's okay to carry an ounce with you now of weed. It is not. You can you can go anywhere. You almost feel dirty. It's like, oh my god, I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> They're gonna see all this weed in my car. 
Can you smoke it down the street or you just can carry it around? <laughs> yep, you can walk down the street and smoke your joint now. Be like the big kids. Yeah, whatever. But no, not a whole lot going on. Just trying to get back to normal because when you leave for two and three weeks, you know, you got to come back to your house and the dogs need bathing and all that clipping and all that fun stuff and housework because I left Scott alone. And I think that he had, I think he left the, the mop and the vacuum out as trying to like, you know, side, side ways me, but I, I didn't buy any of it. Do some cleaning. Okay. Yeah. It's just like, I was like, bullshit, you know, I'm going to start pulling out the vacuum and leave it in the middle floor and look like I've actually done something, you know, yeah. but yeah, that's all some, good. I've done some man cleaning where I might rub the, like a dry, a dry rag across the surface somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but they're doing my street and it's just like a mess. Right. And it, the, the dust is just coming in the house. And when I was in New York, they hit a gas line or something. Scott's calling me up saying, there's gas in the house. I go, well, get out. He goes, I'm out, but they won't let me go back in to get the dogs. And I go, you're going to be wishing that that house blew up on you if you don't go back in there and get my dogs right now. You know, so he calls the energy company. It's like, call the fire department. So I'm calling the fire department, pulled over on Court Street Bridge, basically, trying to get the fire department down the street in Greenville, Texas to come. They did come to the house. All was fine. You know, nothing, just no one, some guy approached the house, the cigarette, like a dumbass. I just, I just don't get people sometimes, but um, it was all good. The house did not blow up. Everything is here. Still there. Well, at the moment, we're getting like heavy rains. And so what's happening is everything's flooding because obviously during COVID, during the 18 uh, 18 months of lockdown, no one's been dealing with the drains. So basically, it's like they're all flooded. It's like, it's like, I think like, it's like, you'll get like a heavy rainfall for like 10 minutes. It's like, you know, the tube stations, everyone's like wading in water. They did. They were doing that in Manhattan. When I was there, I saw that they were showing people there. I would, you know what? I would not try to get on no effing subway waist deep in New York City. God only knows what's With in the, the water. water anyway that you're waiting. Oh, man, it's just it's got to be bloody yeah. disgusting. And, and it, what the worst thing about it is like you got all these people like, oh, no, COVID, COVID is like, well, to be honest, hepatitis is going to be a lot worse when you're waiting around in that dirty water. We have to worry about that. We got monkey pox on the way. Yeah, you can't, you can't do nothing to scare people, the Delta variant. So we're going to release monkey pox. That one just just yeah. about put me. I was laughing when I saw that one. They're and really the, not going to go there, are they? I don't know. But monkey pox seems to affect the African population so yeah so i imagine that if it does hit that basically there's going to be all these like conspiracy theories as like this. <laughs> i saw germany was having these massive mudslides it's like everybody's going to shit california and montana are burning they're blaming on climate change but let's just say what it is there's no forest management going on ever that's the problem. I mean, that's, I mean, same thing with like the mudslides and the floods is that everything's been on hold for 18 months. Now, the thing is, what should have happened during lockdown? I mean, let's, let's be a bit serious here is that probably everyone didn't need to go in lockdown. If something happens, you're working in sewage systems or drainage or forests or something like that. Chances are you're not working in a group of people. So you probably could have still continued on with your job. So yeah, it's not like I would say that forest management and everything else prevent mudslides and just wiping out whole townships would probably be what you call, you know, one of those jobs you need to be at. So it's essential, I'm assuming. Precisely. And it's like um, when our lockdown finished, you get all these people um, protesting 
uh, about um, lo the lockdown being uh, lifted here in the, in the UK. And then, <laughs> so you're watching it and these guys say, oh, this is a horrible thing. You know, we know about lockdown. We need to stay in lockdown to protect people, blah, blah, blah. But then when they interviewed the people, they were all people who basically were on furloughs. <laughs> They didn't want to go back to work. So it wasn't about like lockdown for their health safety. It's like they didn't want to go back to work. They didn't want to be paid by the government. So, oh, so I it was kind of funny. I don't blame people. I mean, they're paying them more here in the States to stay home than they were making, you know. Yeah. But they're going to have to do that. I mean, there's job, there's help wanted signs everywhere, just all over. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing here as well. And the thing is, is to be honest, if, um, you know, I know a lot of people are complaining that, you know, they want to go to Europe for holiday. But to be honest, I think that, you know, everyone's economy is hit really, really bad yeah. because of this. And I think that basically, if you want to go out and spend money and go on a holiday, that maybe it's best that you probably Do stay in the country and get the money rolling through your system sort of thing. Exactly. Otherwise, we all might be screwed. In well, a lot of, of stuff in the UK definitely, you know, like take Stonehenge for interest. But, I mean, for interest, they, they actually rely on tourists, you know, to come in and you know, a lot of, yeah, a lot just, of UK is maybe it's just best to get a lot of, instead of like a lot of foreign people, you know, going to look at it, maybe it's best that UK people who live and who live and breathe here basically start going to these places instead. And in the short term, of course. And then, I mean, the world's, the world's going to get changed and stuff like that. And next year or two, we're going to have to learn and, to live and, with and, it then, and, and take your trick. So that way you might not be stuck. <laughs> Because a lot of people are being stuck. They'll be like, oh, look, I'm holidaying in Spain. Yeah, I can't leave. Yeah, I won't, I won't touch Spain. <laughs> There's just no well, way. I mean, it's everywhere, though. It doesn't matter where you go. Italy, Spain, France, you know, wherever you're going. It seems you could get you could get stuck there at any given moment. You just never know. So oh, well. I mean, it's not going away anytime soon. No. No, I think no. it's, I think they just have to break us into it. So that way it's, 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 it's going to be part of our lives. And then once it becomes part of our lives and we become used to it, then it'll never be another lockdown again. It's like, screw it. Natural selection. Survival of the fittest. Just like you said, natural selection. Let Mother Nature take its course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Well, if Mother Nature wipes off a couple billion people, that will also serve. That will also help them um, with the whole, you know, world problems as far as the environment. <laughs> I know. Well, it's just you know, the people don't understand that the the planet is going to survive us. It will. Precisely. The, the planet will do anything to survive, and we're we might just be you know something that needs to needs to be written off. So. We're just that. We're parasites. We just well, precisely. You know, um, I think there's a, um, a line in Sweeney Todd is, um, you know, the world is full of shit and we are the people that <laughs> inhabit it. We like, basically that we're basically we're basically the flies on top of the shit that which is the world. <laughs> so. We're trying to cheer me up. <laughs> yeah, what can you do? <laughs> anyway, I just live my life. I just, Reflect on the past, in the present, look towards the future, and don't worry about it. Yeah, I, mean, I got everything I need here. You know, if I get struck down by a car tomorrow, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, let's face it. As far as films are concerned, I mean, that's all. I've seen everything anyway because I've seen the originals. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to miss much when we, when we crap out. <laughs> I'm, every TV show or movie I watch, I pretty much know what the, what the outcome of the plot's going to be. So it's kind of like. Uh. 
<laughs> well, after a while, you get to the point where you know where it's going. You just do. And any heroes that you have are all failed. I mean, they're like failed and crumbled. And it's all, I don't have any heroes anymore. <laughs> just, <laughs> the point is, I know. Everyone I looked up to is like, is now basically below me. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's no heroes anymore. We need a couple of heroes. And any any heroes that I have in my youth, they're do- they're dropping off like flies. <laughs> like people are just dropping off. Like I, the one thing I've noticed about getting older old. is people you outlive. Yeah, well, they're old. I mean, you know, if you look at people like David Bowie and people like that, I mean, they're old. They're like in their seventies. I mean, okay, they, I know we go, oh, they're so young, but are they? <laughs> Yeah, well, to- you know, when you're in your 50s, 72 seems young. <laughs> well, yeah, it does seem young, but it's only it's only because we're we're trying out we're trying to outrun our own mortality. It's like, oh, that's really young. It's like, no, it's not really. I know everybody needs to buy balance of nature. Most people, most people <laughs> balance die of nature. 70. Use code word LL podcast to get 35 percent off. <laughs> If you, listen to, if you listen to the Literary License Podcast and join up at our subscriber list, we'll ensure you that you'll have 10 extra years of your life. <laughs> and if you don't, try to find us and sue us. <laughs> yeah, we'll be dead by then, too. <laughs> our operators are on call now. <laughs> 1-800-YOU'RE-FUCKED. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's about right, man. That sums it up. And with that, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to cut into our tub sequence where it takes us to our very own soap announcer, and that would be Keith doing episodes 25 through 32. This is a synopsis for Soap, season 2, episodes 1 through 8. Danny is frightened as Mr. Lefowitz threatens to kill the Campbells if he runs away from his responsibilities to Mary Elaine. Mary finally decides that she would have been more devastated if Bert had been the one to die instead of Johnny. Father Tim tells Corinne that he is leaving the priesthood but refuses to be intimate with her until they are married. Jody is convinced by Carol that they should live together but Dennis resurfaces and announces that he wants Jody back. Jessica admits to Chester that she's scared about what the jury might decide. Malu tells Jessica that he's in love with her, and Jessica's found guilty by the jury. Peter is revealed to have been murdered, and not by Jessica, but by either Chester, Jody, Corinne, Benson, or Bert. The Tates and Campbells insinuate back and forth between them concerning who might have murdered Peter. Chester attempts suicide due to his grief about Jessica's situation, as well as his own, but only succeeds at giving himself a bump on the head. Jody and Carol move in together, and Bert and Danny's help. Dennis brings a housewarming gift, causing Carol to experience some jealousy. Mary's concerned about a comment Jessica makes, which implies that Bert might be having an affair. Jessica is told by Malou that he will do whatever it takes to exonerate her and tells Benson to put on a strong face in light of her situation for everyone else's sake. Tim and Corinne visit Tim's mother, who is distressed by Corinne's encouragement of Tim's leaving the priesthood that she puts a curse on the both of them. Jessica appeals to the real killer to step forward before the judge pronounces sentence. Jessica is sentenced to 50 years in prison for the murder of Peter. Chester confesses having murdered Peter, explains to Jessica that he will repress all memory of the murder, but it came back to him when he got bumped in the head during his suicide attempt. Jessica urges the children not to stop loving their father. Chester gets put in the same cell with Dutch, another convicted murderer. 
Burford convinces Mary that he is not having an affair. Chester is visited in jail by Jessica, who says currently bullied by Dutch into helping him escape. Danny tells Jody that his attempt to fake impotency didn't fool Elaine. Carol is pregnant with Jody's child, but doesn't yet have the nerve to tell him. Chester and Dutch overpower the guard and escape. Bert asks Danny to be his partner in the construction business. Danny faces wedding day with trepidation as he tests his wife to be Elaine. Most of Danny's family agree that Elaine is, in fact, detestable. Elaine is also found detestable by her mobster father, Mr. Lefowitz, who surprises everyone by announcing at the wedding reception that he wants nothing more to do with her, emotionally or financially. Carol tells Jody that she's pregnant. The tapes learn of Chester's escape. One by one, Benson, Billy, Eunice, Corinne, and Jessica all disappear into the basement. Jessica gives Corinne advice about marriage. Chester's going insane from being cooped up in the basement. Tim and Corinne face a series of obstacles on their wedding night. Mary tells Bert that she wants to go back to school. Bert and Danny had to scheme to tame Elaine. Chester has a seizure. Dutch runs away, but rather than tell the police the truth about their aiding and abetting the two escaped criminals, the Tates plant the subconscious Chester on their front doorstep to make it appear that he only had just arrived and pressed the doorbell. Chester is taken to the hospital where he remains in a coma. He is attended by Dr. Cantor, who suggests his brain surgery. Eunice discusses her feelings for Dutch with Jessica, who has mixed emotions about it all. Danny follows Bert's advice to kill Elaine with kindness, implied to be a reference to Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. Jody proposes to Carol in order to take responsibility as the father of their expected child. Tim and Corinne are shocked at Mrs. Flotsky, who has a history of claiming that Tim's independent choices will kill her, as he does drop dead. Danny and Bert find, each, uh, find themselves a target for seduction by the construction company's secretary, Sally. Chester needs brain surgery because of a tumor, which turns out to be what has caused him to kill Peter and then forget all about it. Tim, still reeling from the death of his mother, con concludes that he's cursed. Mary is pleased that her college professor, Professor Martins, is showing an interest in her, but Bert is just Dutch, romantic climbs in Eunice's window to be her midnight lover, despite the fact that he is still fleeing the authorities as an escaped convict. Jody and Carol find their marriage plans vigorously opposed by Dennis. Bert tells Elaine how Danny fe really feels about her. Mary suggests to Danny that he might try being nice to Elaine. Danny and Elaine see each other in a new light, and Chester survives the brain surgery but loses his memory. The Tates visit Chester in the hospital. Jody and Carol tell Carol's father, Mr. David, that her pregnancy and their impending marriage. Elaine reveals to Danny why she acts the way she does. Bert and Mary talk about why Bert works so hard, and Sally continues to attempt to soothe Bert, but still to no avail. And that is the synopsis of Soap, Season 2, Episode 1 through 8. And welcome back to our Rinse Cycle, where we discuss the good, the bad, and the downright comedy and drama of Soap. So, Keith, what do you think about these episodes? I have something to say that this episode, there's so much funniness going on, but there's so many tender moments. That yes, I there, was. Um, there was. You know, the Dinah Manoff, I, my hat's off to you. I know. Oh my God, my, I know. I know she's my internet girlfriend now since our interview with her. And if you haven't listened to the interview, <laughs> everybody's always you. your internet but, um, girlfriend. She's my internet girlfriend. Um, she's she, a sweetie. She personally asked me to marry her via Twitter. I accepted. <laughs> The reality, you know, so in our fantasy world, yes. But um yes. but I have to there and say that um the heart to heart when she tells Danny about her why she's mean. 
why she's mean was quite heartbreaking, actually. I thought so, too, because, you know, I even think that kind of resonates with other people who are always told they're not good enough, you know, put the comedy aside. But, you know, there are that was really I mean, I was I was like going, give me tissue, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's sad. It really because, but she's so good at being so bitchy. I mean, she's just funny because you got this this rack of episodes where Danny's trying to change her and there's nothing good enough for her reverse psychology the poor woman gets her dress ripped off every time she appears on the set (laughs) there is one point there where um he goes when she's in her slip and he goes wait wait there's something I don't know he's gonna rip off her slip now (laughs) but no he he was the pillow off the um hair yeah but um but the, but the, I mean I guess another thing is like that when Danny marries her and it, I guess I mean I guess they are they did foreshadow this a bit because when Danny marries her he goes I want nothing more to do with you and you're financially cut off. Can you yeah. imagine your own father doing that to you? Yeah, and it was you know that you don't really know about it actually till like this last episode in this block was like episode thirty two I think sort of in the middle where she's explaining, you know, her father, her daughter, her sister had died and she was 16 in a car accident, but the father had told her, why couldn't it have been you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've seen people actually do that (laughs) to people and not many, but I've seen that happen. And God, man, can you imagine, talk about, I'd rather be hit in the face with a pipe wrench than have someone, you know, Mm -hmm. say, I wish you were dead instead kind of thing. But it was really I going to say that the writers did a very good job because it actually explains everything. Mm-hmm. That little speech she gives explains everything about her behavior and everything the way that she is. Because because you would build up a brick wall. Don't get anyone close to you because they're, you know, she got she was close to her mom. Her mom died. She's close to her sister. Her sister died. She she thought she was or she thought she was close to her father. Her father wanted nothing to do with her. So but you would you'd bear you you would have this rich exterior. So yeah, but she she this that was really a good that was a really good sequence in this event. But he did marry her because he was afraid that Lefkowitz was gonna kill the Campbells if he didn't. So there was that little, you know, mm. inspiration to marry her. On top of that, <clears throat> Bert, Bert was it Bert told Mary that he would, she might've been better off if he died, I believe, as yeah. opposed to the other ex-husband, yeah. but they really don't explain. I mean, what he was really into. I don't know if that comes later. Cause I can't remember. Well, I think he was, I think he, to be uh, in previous, it's hinted that he might've been working with the mob because when Danny was working with the mob, um, they said something about, Oh, like your father or something to that. Right. So I think, so I think it's all kind of closely knitted to that. And, and um, but he was, well, we know that he wasn't a very nice person, that he wasn't very nice to marry. So yeah. He... No, he wasn't. And you got Father Tim leaving the priesthood for Corinne, you know, which is really kind of funny because we all, well, I went to Catholic school longer than you. And I think we all had a father, what a waste. You know, we had one. And I always laugh about it because you all had the sweet little old father over here and this, this confessional. And then you had, Father, what a waste over here. And all of us girls were lined up to talk to him and confess all of our evil sinning. So I, I get it. <laughs> well, I, I'm not Catholic, but I was going to confession. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, That's yeah. another podcast. another podcast. You go five Hail Marys and go, what's that? 
Oh my God. Yeah. Five Hail Marys to our fathers. Glory be. All that stuff. Like it's going to send me to heaven. I didn't know any of those. So after after I did my confession, I go, I don't know those. Um, Can you sit down with me and help me out? And he would. (laughs) (laughs) Do I know this priest? (laughs) Uh, Father Harry. Oh, Father Harry. Yeah. Father Wotherways. Father Runaways. That was Father Remigio for us. That was Father Runaways. He did lead the priesthood. He had this really black curly hair and these big blue eyes. It's like, boy, you do not need to be a priest. But anyway, he used to sweat coming out of there after we were done with him, though. That was always like our little form of immortality. Let me see. Uh, Jessica's being found guilty by the jury after her lawyer, Malou, tells her that he's in love with her. Um, Jessica, I mean, she, what an endearing dingbat. She, she, she's a dingbat, but I think that's what happens when you see the good in everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, she does she's have this, just, she, is she does have this wonderful. Anne Frank look of thing that everyone's good at heart sort of thing. I mean, um, and there's an innocence about her, but, um, but when something bad happens to her, it really breaks your heart. When she goes, I didn't do this. Um, can... Is there anyone that wants to help me, me, please? (laughs) Yeah. But the look on her face is like, you know, and it's like you want to laugh, but at the same time, you're touched emotionally by that. (laughs) So it's kind of like you're kind of it's kind of weird because you're kind of torn between wanting to laugh at the ridiculousness of it. But you're really pulled into the way that she does this character. Yeah, she does do it well. And yeah, I love the interaction between her and Benson. Robert Galove is just epically epic in in anything he does i love him no matter what he plays in but well he, i mean when but when she tells benson it's like don't cry you need to be strong for everyone it's yeah like, oh my god and it's to like, take care of you know mm-hmm. well son. i mean i mean when they take chest to the hospital and they go i don't like to look at his eyes because no you don't like the color of my skin <laughs> Oh, I know. They're trying to arrest him because he said he killed Arnold the rat. (laughs) (laughs) And automatically they go to him. I don't like, I don't like looking at your eyes. No, it's the color of my skin. Yeah. (laughs) Because I still don't like the color of his eyes or ways that his eyes are. That cop. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But Peter was murdered. It just wasn't by Jessica. But was it? They, they they left off episode 25 with Chester, Jody, Corinne, Benson, or Bert that could have done it. But considering it was Bert's son, Bert probably wouldn't have done that. So kind of, it's like who shot JR kind of, because then you had to wait to yeah. season two to find out. I think, this get, before, I think this is before JR, because I mean, this is. Yeah, it is, because I think da- the da- Dallas, like, what did it, co- oh, I was still in high school. It had to be 81, because my friend kept yeah, saying, yeah. Kristen did it. I know she did. And we were still in high school. So it had to be then. Yeah, I mean, this is like what seventeen seventy eight something. Like seventy eight, yeah, seventy nine, yeah, around there. Yeah, it was still pre eighties. Jr. So they actually foreshadowed the whole Jr. thing. So it was quite interesting. Then uh, Ch- Chester I tries mean, to commit suicide due to his grief about Jess. Remember, he's he's trying to put that rope up in the kitchen. <laughs> and then first, he sharpen those knives for you. <laughs> and then the knife ends up at the door. <laughs> I forgot how fun the show is. I mean, they put they put it on Tubi, thank God, because it's so much fun. I just can't tell people whether you were you know alive in the seventies or not. There's just you can't. This show would not happen in this day and age. It just wouldn't. Well, it's kind of a shame because I think that all the issues that we're dealing with now 
are covered. Well, we were, we were dealing with all those in the seventies. And so, yeah. I mean, God, look at the songs in the eighties, you know, whether it's Depeche Mode, people are people or, you know, let's make the world a better place and all the other crap that I'm mean, not, yeah. crap songs, but all the other songs we had out about that Janet Jackson's rhythm nation, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, it's we like are the all world. These, all these, <laughs> yeah. And all this, all these horrible things that we like, Oh, it's only for today, but no, we've been going through this for you for ages anyway yeah and what i like about soap is that everything in it is very universal and it's like and even though the styles and the way they're dressed might be like very 70s looking but everything that they're dealing with is very very modern and it's you know? still relevant it really is you I know mean, i'm I not thought, sure jody got, situation but well even even with elaine um father when J- Jody meets Elaine's father and he goes, right. Oh, you know, okay, I support you and stuff like this. And then Jody gets up and he goes, I don't want that. that you don't ever bring that faggot into my house. I know. I was that kind of took me back because I don't hear that word often anymore. And when I hear it, it, it kind of like, and I go, Wow, you could never do that now. And I mean, well, but it did show but- the president because back then we were just pre-AIDS, right before all that real the, the real vitriol started. Mm-hmm. And it it was they addressed it, but Jody's so good natured about it throughout the whole thing. And I know a lot of, especially gay men, not so much the women, but they just take it with a great assault most of the time. If it bothers them, that you don't see it so much. But, well, another thing is though that if you bring it in today's standards, there's a lot of people that still think that, but they don't voice it. Mm-mm. And I thought that was quite, for me, I found that quite interesting because the thing is, he wasn't voicing, he was sweet as pie, but as soon as that person walks out of the room, boof, out comes the real. It's a bit like PCism. It's like right. everyone talks about PCism and they're like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm weird the world, I, you know, equal rights for everyone, blah, da, da, da. But as soon as the person who's not the norm walks out of the room, all of a sudden it's like, they're they're the ones using all those slangs and all those horrible yeah. terms. And, and he was saying, "Well, you have to be civil." The father was saying to her, "You have precisely. to your father get be civil." And isn't but, that what PCism is today? It's like you don't know what people are really thinking. You're just getting no. what people think how they react, but you don't what you don't know what's going on behind it. No, no, you don't. And I find that more dangerous than uh, to be honest. I rather be I rather hang around a racist than someone who's a, a, a PC covert. Well, no, because at least with the the racist person, the person hates things and is really ignorant for whatever reasons, at least you know where you stand with them. The person who pretends to be worldly and basically is the racist, but you don't know it because they're worldly, they're the dangerous ones for me. Right. Because you don't know where you stand with them. That's true. You know, well, then you got, well, I don't know if you call Jody and Carol moving in together a mixed marriage, soon to be family kind of thing. Because he, but then you got his boyfriend, Dennis, who is what the, the uh, quarterback. Quarterback, quarterback? Football he's team. supposed to be the handsome like Tom Brady of that day and he's gay his marriage didn't work out and he's telling Jody well if it even looks like it's working out I'll make sure it doesn't so you have you know the mean nasty over here but it just happens to be a gay male and not a jealous female so that that I thought was kind of interesting how that's going to play out we got Jody caught in the middle because Carol's jealous as well yeah he's got Carol's two, jealous yeah. of the gay boyfriend and the gay boyfriend's jealous of Carol yeah and now Carol's pregnant. Yeah, she goes. He goes. Yeah, but we only did it one time. once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly Jody enjoyed that one time. I guess. Well, I don't think you need to enjoy it. You just need to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, he did have that little moment of you know, oh, you poor thing. You know, he's hugging her, and then one thing leads to another. Yeah, I mean, you know. And- 
I mean, this is something that you probably, I mean, this is probably something that's a bit dated because he decides to marry her because it's the right thing. I'm not quite sure we would have that today sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, getting married because you're going to have a baby might be for all the wrong reasons because I got married after Justin was born and it was really one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. There's nothing wrong with not getting married. You do not have to. Sometimes it's better for the kids, you know, because sometimes you're just not, it's not going to click. Things change. Children make people snap sometimes. Just, you just well, they they don't, I don't think that people realize, you know, I think that you have this idealized hallmark version of what being the perfect family is and that basically brings you together but children are actually a, a lot more stressful so if there's if there's a stress going on in the marriage the children are not going to help that stress much <laughs> it's like no. it's gonna, you know it's gonna impound it i mean my parents married because of me my mom got pregnant for me and they got married and that didn't work out so you know, my dad, my dad, when he got remarried after my parents divorced, that was a happier marriage because that was more of a marriage for love, not for a marriage because yeah. of um, doing the right thing. Maybe. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad they got married because like, I love my sisters and stuff like this. Right. And my, life would, my life would be different, you know, if things didn't work out that way. But that's what you did. But well, I think we got we're hanging on to that little semblance of puritanical thought process. Maybe, you know, it's like, well, he deserves both mother and father, you know. Well, and then there's also the thing about what, you know, there used to be a lot of stigmatism with single mothers as well. Back in the day, yeah, mm-hmm. there certainly was. I mean, even in something. the 70s, even in the 70s. Yeah, I don't think that ended until like the like later part of like um, late, late 1990s. And then well, even in the 80s, well, there were so many girls that had babies in, in my high school. You know, I mean, it, we didn't think nothing of it. We didn't. I don't know what the adults were thinking at the time, but we didn't think nothing of oh, it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, look, at. I mean, if you think about in the 70s, I think the 70s, they're still throwing them off into convents to have their babies. And then, you know, they go. Early they, 70s, they were. They yeah, were. they leave fat and come back skinny. <laughs> it's like you lost so much weight in those breasts of yours. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it was such a what was it? Such an embarrassment. And speaking of priests, you know, you got Tim's mother. Who? What's the actress? I'm going nuts. Um, Doris Roberts. Yes. Oh my God. You she want to shake her, but you love her at the same time because she's that. You know, it's like that typical, sort of like in Saturday Night Fever. The mother is real upset. We got a son. He's going to be a priest. Your your path is paved in gold to heaven. And then some slut comes and screws it all up. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just not having any. Poor Corinne. She's trying to be so nice about it. And, and then the she hates try- her. Um, I, I thought that. And, I guess they're Italian. I'm assuming. What's his last name? What's Tim's last name? We don't really know, but but she does act like the, the Italian. She acts like an Italian. But I mean, you could get that from the Irish too. I mean, I mean, anybody that's like Catholic, Catholic, you know, they're they're yeah. going to. I mean, I would. I just wouldn't want my kids to do that. I mean, I wouldn't hate them, but I wouldn't like it for them either. Well, could you imagine though? It's like you know, let's sit there and say that your mother's like that. So you've done everything for her because she, you know, feigns she's going to kill herself yeah. if we don't do these. So you do everything for her, and then the one time that you basically stand up to her, she dies in the middle of your speech. This time I'm living my life for me. Like, and then she falls back, and you think she's faking it. And Corinne's going, yeah. she's dead. I think she's dead. 
No, she's faking it. She always does this. <laughs> no, she's dead. <laughs> yeah. Is excellent here as well. Dinah Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh yeah. is fantastic. The poor Diana Canova. She's never going to have sex again mm-hmm. <laughs> because Tim feels so guilty. Yeah. But but then, of course, John Chester goes up and says that, you know, he we find out that he's the one that killed and um, goes to jail and becomes Dutch's bitch. <laughs> yeah. Dutch, you know, it's really funny. He used to play Philip Chancellor on The Young and the Restless before Mrs. Chancellor killed him off. She run him off the road and he died of internal bleeding. I remember this stuff. No one ever talks about these old Young and the Restless thingies. But that's why I always I thought it was funny when I saw him on there. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about his part in this because Dutch is actually a lot of fun when you think about it. And then him and Eunice start having an affair because she's really attracted to this bad boy. Yeah, that's where I left that one. I don't know what happened. I don't remember what happens. I haven't seen all these in so long. Mm-hmm. But Chester uh, forces, forces, gets forced by Dutch, basically, who's another, he's a convicted murderer, too. Yeah, because I can't believe they locked me in here with murderers, but the honey murderer, too. <laughs> I know, and then Jessica's trying to tell Mary, she says, my news is bigger than yours, you know. She goes, Jody's going to have a baby or, you know, he's having a baby. But she goes, well, I've got two killers in my basement. <laughs> you know, see. Well, the, well, the best the best thing is, is like when I love the interchanging between the two sisters, but between Jessica and Mary. Yeah. Because Mary, you know, oh, I got bigger news to use. So they're going back and forth. Who's got the bigger news? And then you get Mary goes, oh, Jody's going to have a baby. And Jessica goes, Dennis is pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, and then and then she says that and um then she said sort of about the two murderers in her basement and then um mary goes oh yeah your news is bigger than mine and um jessica goes well your news have been bigger if dennis was pregnant <laughs> so i thought that was like i love their interchanges when they sit there and just sit there and talk about each other's lives they try to like outdo each other about whose life is more messier i think my favorite part of all these episodes that I caught, I caught, I watched like a cranked four of them out yesterday is when all the women are at the kitchen. You got Eunice, oh. Corinne, you got um, Jessica and Mary and they're all, she brings that ring, an apple ring over that she baked for Chester and yeah. they all end up eating it, talking about their lack of sex and that they're all horny. <laughs> they just haven't had any in a while. So they start eating all this food. <laughs> you know, for the time period, I think this is probably quite revolutionary in its that women day. actually have sex and like it and miss Precisely, it. Yeah. And the lack of it. And I mean, there was quite an honest conversation. And I, I was like, when I was watching that going, God, this must, so this must've been, this must've rocked the television world at that time, because you didn't get women talking about, no. sort of I mean, what did you have? And Mary Tyler Moore, she didn't have sex. No. <laughs> Rhoda. I don't think she ever Rhoda had have sex. sex. I don't you think know, Rhoda all the family. Well, outside of um, Eve getting raped, I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any sex going out there. So if you look at all the sitcoms around that time, sex was, they was like, it was skitted around a little bit, like Maude would skit around it, but they never yeah. went into like this. Well, the time. Golden Girls, well, was that more 80s? That's 80s, yeah. That's more 80s, because Blanche, let's face though. it, you know, everybody dogged on Blanche, though. Well, I mean, you, know, you have to remember, Golden Girls is written and produced by the same people as right. the show, so. right. right. Which, yeah. which you could tell they got the same composer for their music too, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I love Susan Harris. I think she was a brilliant writer for what she mm. did. They, they did go after 
topics that, we, like I said, are still relevant today. That's what makes them so good. That makes this still funny, you know. Mm-hmm. But you got, I can't remember why Bert convinces Mary that he's not having an affair. Why is Bert, I didn't catch that one for some reason. Well, the reason being is because um, what happens is that um, Mary goes and talks to Jessica and says oh, that's that Bert, right. Bert's never home. He's working late. And, and Jessica is the one that plants the see if that goes oh mate that's know, right that's right. i don't think he's having an affair though chester always worked late and he was having an affair even though the stock market closed before but i'm sure that Bert's not having an affair which kind of was basically that's right that's right about the whole idea. that's right <clears throat> and you had let's see danny tells jody his attempt to fake that he couldn't have sex with elaine didn't work <laughs> Poor Elaine. For the first, the first episodes of this, you see Danny's just like Elaine. You're killing me. Uh, well, I mean, at the wedding when they're talking about that, um, oh, she's a pig. Oh and, my god! And then, like, and then, I, oh and my god! That was so mean. Huh? And you got everyone coming in, and they don't know what the joke is, but they're just laughing. Yeah, yeah, but then they eventually all get it though towards the end. Yeah, but that was really kind of mean when you think about it. But the fathers is the one that started that word. I don't. I have a hard time calling. There's some women, I guess, that could be that word. Mm. I have a hard. I can call someone to see you next Tuesday easier than a pig. I don't know why. But um, that then you got Jessica. Well, pig is normally, pig is not normally something that you would say about a woman. It's something you didn't say about a guy, isn't it? So it's very yeah. Yeah, it just seems kind of like my husband off color. Guy's a pig. Yeah. Seems more off color than the word cunt, <laughs> quat, <laughs> which flow out of my mouth fluidy, you know, that just yeah. rolls off my tongue all the time. I have no problem with swearing, obviously. Mm. But let me see. Chester gets at the same. Okay, we got, um, let me see. Chester and Dutch overpower their guard to escape. But, you know, he's always push- pushing Chester first. He's always making Chester mm. do the dirty work, like jump out the window or or not have a jump over the side. Cause if you, I mean, if you've seen the prisons, you've seen bigger prisons, those are pretty damn high up. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, and then he asked Chester if he's good at knots. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then you try it first. I know. I love Dutch. I just think, I don't, I think he's what the story needed. I, mm-hmm. I love how they, I mean, it's, it's true. If you watch it, I mean, then, then you get Chester, he goes into his coma and he has a brain tumor, which probably led him to, you know, kill Peter. And mm-hmm. the funny thing about it is because that actually is going on in general hospital. Somebody had a brain tumor and was a terrorist and a killer and everything else, but he's walking around Port Charles all over the place and everybody loves him now because it was a brain tumor, <laughs> you know, but that's what they do on soap operas, comas, brain tumors, baby switches, you know, I mean, that's what's so fun about soap. It's just, you know, beating the hell out of the soap operas, which I love. So don't get me wrong. Well, I meant, I mean, the, the fun, I think the funny thing is, is that when when they do arrive back at the Tate's place and, they, and basically everyone disappears in the basement because that's where Chester is. And if you notice, Chester's the only one that's tied up. The rest of the family, they're not tied up at all. They kind of go there. Yeah, I noticed that. I'll keep going into the alcove or getting pulled into the alcove. Yeah, so, um, so you know, Dutch is not worried about the, the rest of the family. He's just worried about Chester. Yeah, he just didn't want Chester to go. But then Chester becomes friends with Arnold. Arnold the rat. And becomes his best friend. And then, um, of he course, teaches him to scurry and to eat cheese. 
And then, yeah. then, then Benson brains him. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then he starts complaining about headaches. And then, of course, he has a birthday. Was, is it a birthday that they bring him all the I, I, I think they were bringing him pets because he felt bad about the rat being killed. Uh-huh. And so everybody was bringing him cats. They oh God, the general brought him that fake Doberman. I was falling <laughs> on the ground. That's why I was texting you. You watched this episode yet? Where the fake Doberman? I couldn't stop laughing. I don't yeah. know why the general. That guy just kills me. He's so he's what's the word I want? He's he's inopportune here <laughs> or something like that. He's just there, and he's he like jumps through the windows, you know, like a commando during Jessica's trial. It's like. <laughs> And there's obviously no consequences for him. They don't put him anywhere. They don't jail him. They don't put him incarcerated in an asylum, nothing. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of, you know, Mary Poppins. And you have that guy on top of the the house. Right. And he's like, oh, it's three o'clock. So they all have to like hold on to everything because he fires off his cannon. Yeah. Oh, that's reason. right. That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> I totally like that forgot guy. that. Yeah. He's that, 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 World, World War II. I totally forgot about that guy with the cannon. That's funny. Uh, but they do kill Elaine with kindness. We were talking about that. How yeah. poor Danny's trying to... Well, poor Danny. I was feeling sorry for Elaine because she got down to her uh, her yellow raincoat because there was just nothing else for her to wear because he kept stripping her down. This isn't good enough for you. That's not good enough for you. He won't let her eat. And even Mary's feeling sorry for her. And just say, just be mm. nice to her. Then maybe things will change. That's when they have that heartfelt conversation. Well, she has but, a nice moment with Bert as well. Yeah, um, she did. Yeah, Bert was like, you know, and then she starts setting the table. Well, Bert's actually, when Bert, Bert's crazy and he's funny and so off the cuff. It's, but when he has his moments, he does have a good moment with clarity. And, you mm. know, he has some common sense in there somewhere. I love Bert. I can't wait till he gets abducted by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> jody finally proposes to carol yeah which you know that's not gonna be good yeah (laughs) well according to dennis it's not gonna it's not gonna fly and mrs flotsky dies so her name's flotsky that's polish maybe polish yeah well they're there yeah they might be big on having a priest in the family doris roberts is brilliant i mean wouldn't she and everyone loves raymond as well yeah yeah. She's done tons of things. She always She's done tons of things. I couldn't even begin to name them off. I had to look it up. But she is just one of those. I don't know if you want to call her a character actress or. She kind of is. She's just. Whenever she appears, she tends to take over the scene and do. A she's very. Yeah. She's very vivacious. Mm-hmm. She, she really does command every. Her, her presence is commanding. It just is. She always has been. And I mean. Chester then um, basically um, basically falls out flat, lands on the turtle. Billy goes, of course, he'd fall on the turtle. Of course. But, um, basically, they find out he has a brain tumor, so he takes it to Dr. Cantor, which Dr. I thought was Cantor, funny. Dr. Cantor, the butcher. Dr. Cantor goes, okay, you either, yeah, we don't operate and he dies. Right. Or we'll operate and come out with the brain of a codfish. Or... <laughs> Or operate and he'll die. So yeah. what, what which one would you like? Well, he wanted to operate because if he gets the brain surgery right, he'll be at he'll be in all the journals, you know, because he <laughs> did whatever with him. But every time he does something bad, he goes, That's good, isn't it great? You know, and he's just <laughs> proud of his improper behavior. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine having going to a doctor like that? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that there's some out there with some weird bedside manner. The kids had a pediatrician here. I think he's still practicing in the McKinney area. He used to always wear those clown feet mm-hmm. when he'd come in and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was just he was just really good with kids. I assume he's still working. He was fairly young, so he's probably still out there. But you never know with doctors. Mm-hmm. But well, I, mean, I mean, well, Chester comes out of his coma and basically he thinks he's Gloria Swanson or yes. Gunga Din. <laughs> Gunga Din, yeah, Mr. Din. <laughs> and, he had, and he has amnesia, so he doesn't know who anybody is. Yeah, except that Jessica's got a nice rack, and she's got red hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought for sure she wouldn't be sex-deprived if he was moved back into the house, but apparently there's still some issue. I mean, um, um, Mary decides she's going back to college, and we right. interview from um, Professor Martin, who seems like a bit of a lech. He is a lech, but I mean, yeah, I think, I don't know, but back in the day, I I don't remember. I know that it probably went on, you know, people dating professors they shouldn't have been dating or whatever. Well, I mean, to be honest, um, I mean, it's probably very, I mean, the the way that they made it sound in this day is very rare for a person of Mary's age to be going back to school. Right. So in this case, we have a professor who's going after a student who's probably more age appropriate than probably the younger ones that he probably would go after, maybe. But that's something that they did. They did go after is a lot of people think you can't go back to school. And let's face it, this still was the housewife era. Mm-hmm. And this was when you got Gloria Steinem. I think they brought her up once too. And yeah. you had all these feminists coming out in the truest form of feminism where they wanted equal pay, equal rights and all this stuff, you know, not all this, this melee they want now, but. Um, but Bert said something very interesting, which I quite liked as well that, you know, he's like, he wants to support her, but he says to her, he goes, you're going to, you're going to become smarter. And yeah. you're gonna how dumb I am. And I thought yeah. that was quite interesting because that made it quite nice. It's like, okay, doesn't make doesn't make Bert like, oh, I'm a you know, I'm an, I'm an asshole, so therefore you're not you're not going to college or not that. But the reasoning behind it makes a little bit of sense. So therefore, so I'm glad they went that route, not the, you know what I mean? Don't try yeah. to you know, don't try to better yourself. You'll never be better than that or anything like that. They went a different approach, but I thought it was a nice approach that because normally in movies and shows around this time and the woman goes i want to go back to college and the man would be against it because it's like oh who's going to clean my clothes or who's yeah. going to clean the house and it, they didn't do that and i thought that was quite good i was i thought it, i thought it was nice that they they approached it because women were starting to go back to school again and there's nothing wrong with going back to school there's always classes i look online it's like oh that looks good and there's nothing wrong with going back to school at all i mean you're never too old to stop learning if anything that's what we need more of these days more learning yeah. learning the right stuff the right stuff yeah and all the crazy crap not liberal not liberal arts degree not only basket <laughs> weaving <laughs> basket weaving cuz that's not going to get you anywhere <laughs> Yeah, four years. Yeah, that was just four years of having fun, you know. <laughs> but let's see. Okay, Tim thinks he's cursed because his mother died. So everything well, happened. Gonna... You got the chandelier falling in front of Benson. So, well, this is foreshadowing, which I think um, when we do our next episode of Soap, we're gonna feel, we're gonna actually realize how cursed they are. Yeah. So, you know, we can't get into that now, but no, no. It's, a, it's a bit of foreshadowing that's coming because um, we do start doubling up our episodes after the um, in season five. So, yeah, which, which is the next couple months. So, so yeah. 
I'll never be leaving that between that and dark shadows. I'll never have to be able to leave the house. It's just like, I'm going to be bathing, watching soap and dark shadows. Bewitched. (laughs) Bewitched. Yeah. Yeah. But thank God they're all like 20 something minute episodes without the commercial. So all's well, I just plug it in and watch. Okay. Got Dutch romantically climbing in Eunice's window to be her midnight lover. But I think there wasn't, he's wasn't her brother in there. Or he, she was talking to her brother, and then she noticed that he was outside, and then she's trying to get rid of him. Yeah, she was all. Yeah, I think it's all. We should spend time together. All our family's full of idiots, and doesn't run in the family. And Billy's like, and Elaine goes, "No, it doesn't run in the family." He goes, "Oh, you know." Basically, they're having like a tender moment, and then Elaine sees, "Oh, you have to go now." <laughs> <laughs> I know. He comes in and he sees Dutch there and climbs up on his back and tries to beat him up, mm. and realizes, and. Yeah, they use the word rape quite a bit between them. Why don't you, or something like, didn't they? Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't I mean, want to rape you or something like that. Yeah, she well, goes, when Dutch first when Dutch first shows up in her, bedroom, I'm a murderer, not a rapist. Yeah, I'm a murderer and a rapist. And he goes, I wouldn't rape you anyway. And she goes, Well, you wouldn't want to, you know, no, you wouldn't want to rape me because I was fat and buck tooth. And they used to what they used to call her. I can't remember now. Oh my god! And he was, and the thing is, and then he, and then they. She was called something. I can't uh, sad because it was quite funny. But then when he when he was younger, um, he was skinny and scrawny, so they used to call him Worm. Yeah, <laughs> Worm and what? Oh, that's gonna bug me now. So, Why can't I remember that? And I think that, and I think they kind of bonded over that. And yeah, he, and they fell in love really love quick. Him. Yeah, and he said that if he was a rapist, he would rape her. He yeah, her that's child. true. To make her feel better, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. Just, everybody needs a good raping once in a while, I guess. <laughs> oh, here comes the Me Too movement after me. <laughs> uh, let's see. Danny tells Elaine how he really feels about her. And that's where you get Mary telling Danny that maybe if he's nice to Elaine, she'll straighten out. And that's where we were having that. We were talking about that in the beginning, about what a great scene that was with Dinah Manoff and, and um, Danny. And they had that yeah. one moment, and we're, it was really kind of sad because it wasn't it wasn't a funny moment at all. He actually feels bad for her, and then he falls in love with her. But the funny part about it is that now that they see each other in a new light, um, and Chester survives his brain surgery only to have memory loss. We have the horny secretary that's after Bert and Danny. <laughs> that was now that was a bit weird because the thing is that she comes on to Danny, yeah, and then. Danny said, no, I'm married. And he's happily married. And he's da-da-da. So he walks out. And then she says the same exact lines to, to Bert. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? Because it's not like, you know what I mean? She's like, just straight. It's like, what is she? So I think there's something else going on there. Because it's like, I don't know. It just seems a bit weird. Because I mean, it'd be, like, it'd be like me going, oh, Vicky, you're so attractive, da da da. And you're like, I come on to you, and then and then you turn me down, and then the next person comes in, and I say the exact thing. Yeah. Thing, which well, is I know weird. people that actually do that. They'll do anything to get laid, especially. <laughs> yeah, but she was like, but she's like using the words love and all this other stuff. So it's yeah, she like, thinks he's okay. cute. He's he's a very virile man. I just birds. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I could ever do a scene with him because. He's just funny. I mean, you know, some of the stuff as we talked to a couple of the people that were on the show with them, he's just very, what's the word I want to use? Spontaneous. He just comes, he just sponta- he comes up with stuff. I mean, that wasn't scripted. And I mean, just his the way he shakes and makes those funny noises and the look on his face. 
I, I would just be dying. I mean, how do you get through a scene? It's like Burt Convy trying to get through a scene. You know, not Burt Convy, but um, Carol Burnett. You know how they're trying to get through that. You know, that one call, scene. Call, like, and you can see them. Call. I mean, the thing is, I, there's one point where she actually saw her kind of smile a little bit during it. Yeah. Like this. Yeah, I thought so, too. I was wondering if maybe that was just, you know, yeah. Um, she was smiling. That would be hard to do. That would just I mean, she's very funny. good, but you do kind of wonder what, what's going on with her character. So that, that's going to be interesting to see how that Yeah, I think something's going on with that. I haven't figured out. I, I, I think yet. it's more than she just wants to have sex. She wants something. There's something there's, more. No, well, you wants. can tell by the end of the episode where, where her last scene was that she's sitting there with a knowing kind of look on her face, like she had accomplished what she was trying to set out to do. So yeah. I don't know what's going on with her. What did she play in? What is her name? I can't stand it when I can't remember somebody. She's been in other sitcoms and whatnot. Yeah. Almost <laughs> everyone in the show. Yeah, her name's eluding me, but for I some mean, reason. Diane, um, Elaine's father's played by Boss Hogg from Dixon. Yeah, Island. Boss. Yeah, that's true. I, I forgot. I was wondering. It's like, God, where did I see him before? Um, Cantor um, is Ron Rifkin, the doctor. Yeah. Ron Rifkin normally, you know, he was like a lawyer, like in Law and Order, and all those. Yeah. Other that's what he's done. That's what he does now. So it's like it's kind of funny seeing all these people. And it's like God, they they've had like so such all even the, like the people that they come in doing like one or two oh, a character and then disappear after an episode or two. It's like God, they've all had careers. It's like and, and you start looking at like the the credits. It's like oh my God, oh my God. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a who's who. Of, Right. They got a lot of great yeah. people coming through the show. Yeah, they do. They do. And I, I, it, that's what makes it sort of interesting. Sort of like I got Asher watching Sharknado. He wants to watch all of them now. And all the stars that actually wanted to get in on Sharknado, they're just dumb as hell, but they're funny to watch. I've, I've just, watched all of them. I know. It's just like, there's a new one coming out and I noticed that's why they're pushing them. I don't, I, there's this, a sixth one coming out. I just think it's funny how they get certain individuals, you know, to, to come onto the show and, and get in there. And they always end up getting killed if they're name worthy or noteworthy. Like well, who was that? What was his name? He was an airplane. Oh my God. Robert uh, Hayes. He was the, he was the, the pilot in airplane movies. Oh, uh, Robert Hayes. Yeah, he, they had him in there. He was flying the plane, and the sharks were coming. Well, you know, the funny thing about Sharknado is, is that um, I tend to watch every once in a while. You know, if I got a few minutes, I'll you know go through. You know, I'll end up going down that YouTube wormhole. You know, if you look at one thing and it leads to something else. Yes, yeah. And they have this one guy, one channel that does that looks at um, disaster films and about the likelihood of these things happening. So they do Twister and they do. Um, Deep Impact and, you know, Day After Tomorrow and so right. on and so forth. And then they do Sharknado as well about the likelihood of this happening. So it's kind of funny. Well, what's funny? Well, it's really, if, if you get water spouts, it, I mean, it has happened. I don't know about sharks, and the, but they have dumped fish offshore. Oh, you yeah. know, they picked them up in, in Oklahoma and dumped them in North Texas, These some of these storms. So it's weird. I mean, weird shit like that does happen. Yeah. But can you imagine like Sharknado if it was real? Oh God, that's funny. I have to find that now, just because. Yeah, it was quite. It was quite funny. I mean, they take they, and they have these like weatherologists and these scientists talking about it, sort of right. thing. So, that's but it's quite funny because you're like, oh, okay, it's like, oh, this can't happen. Deep impact, though, this can't happen because there's not a volcano in California. <laughs> kind of that kind of stuff. It's like, but you know, but if it did happen, no, you couldn't do this. And then, so it's quite. So you're watching this, and all of a sudden, it's like the last one's like, I was like, 
what? <laughs> Sharknado. More like salmon NATO or carp NATO. Yeah. But <laughs> well, they do that and that frog thing happens, doesn't it? Where um, yeah. all these frogs fall from the sky, sort of thing. Well, it's because of yeah, bad inclement weather somewhere else. But it's interesting. It's interesting, needless to say. Yeah. But let's see. Bat Chester. Okay, we got the Tate's visit Chester in the hospital. And that's where we get the impending doom from Jody and Carol talking to Carol's father who says yeah. that word that even I don't use because I got a lot of gay, especially gay male friends. I could never, they call each other that, but I just never, it's sort of like the N word. I could never call somebody that, but. I think it's a word that um, I think that um, gays used to use towards each other, but I don't think they do anymore. I think they decide to, you know, I think they decide to, to that if we don't if we don't we, if we don't want anyone using that word anymore Stop we don't use that word me. ourselves and that kind of um, devalues the word and I think it's pretty much that the word's kind of falling out of the vocabulary nowadays. It's like you know I you noticed that they cut it out of the Dire Straits song. They don't play they like that one with the, I want my MTV. He hmm. uses it several times in in a in a lyric, and I noticed that if it's on regular radio, they cut it out. But if it's on that mm-hmm. whole stanza and if it's on like Spotify or something, they don't cut it out. Well, Spotify and, is the actual, um, the actual recording of it sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's, you know, I, just, I think it's one of those words. That's probably like the N word probably sort of thing. If, if It is. If they stop using it, uh, and then chances are probably would be a word that dies. And I think, yeah. you know. I'll well, sort of like. Well, they use it a lot. Are, is, 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 I think it's kind of a dead word now. I don't think it's, it's kind of a dead word now. Well, gays, gays don't even use it anymore. So, and I think, and I think that's what happens. I think that if you don't want, if you don't want a word used, then the people that that word's aimed at has to stop using that word themselves. Because I it just seems think to rock. Keep, it's, it's it doesn't roll off my tongue. It just doesn't. Well, I do think that if something happens, and let's say that you know, if you got a, if you got a word that's derogatory towards a group of people, and that group of people that's derogatory against use it all the time for each other, it kind of gives you a license for other people that they can use it then. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, you know, they I do quite a bit. But, actually. but it gives, you, but it gives you like it gives other people think they have a license. But if the group of people that is derogatory against stop using it and don't use it for against each say about each other then the word finally dies it's not it's, i think it's like a no word now it's like it's not even a word that even i hardly ever word, hear it i don't anymore. even hear gay i don't hear gays using it anymore at all i don't hear anybody really using it the last time i think i was watching blazing saddles i heard it there and they use the n-word in there you know it's really funny if you want to see something funny because everybody says that blazing saddles really causes a lot of racial undercurrents there's an on youtube um, uh, uh, black people watching Blazing Saddles for the first time, and they are dying. They're laughing. Okay, <laughs> so, so people were upset about well, it. The they just, is, but the thing is, the black guy is not the joke. It's the white people who are stupid that are the joke. Yeah, and they were making fun of the stupid people, basically. You know, and it's a bit like soap. I mean, the thing is, the soap is is like it's when when they're making fun of something or anything like that. They're it, it's not They're making the first... fun of the racists and the bigots because look at Benson, Benson, you know, but he's... all in the family, same thing. The, yeah. the joke, the joke wasn't Archie Bunker. Oh, I want to be like Archie Bunker. The joke was Archie Bunker is such a racist and he's such a hypocrite and he's so horrible that I don't want to be like that. So right. I'm gonna, because he's such a horrible person, I'm going to make sure that I'm not like that. And that's why yeah. it work. And that's why I think comedy works a lot better because it does, it does make you woke without being preached at. Yeah. 
it gets the point across without being an asshole. And right. it is funny. And I mean, if you find something that, that when you're laughing at something, it's like, God, this is stupid, isn't it? I think it works a lot better than. Well, I think you learn a lot more through comedy than you do through drama. I personally. think so. I really yeah. think so. You know, it's a bit like you learn more. I learned more through Schoolhouse Rock than I did in history class. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's true, though, isn't it? Two, three, the magic number. Yeah. <laughs> now, the electric, remember the electric company? That's yeah, where I learned company. to count. Hey, you they, guys. Yeah. We're gonna oh, my God. <laughs> we're going to bring you the power. <laughs> 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 oh my god, it's scary how I remember all that a lot shit. Of stars. Huh? Electric company, I mean, looking back on it, it's like if you look at electric company and you, you see they had a lot of stars on there. Rita Moreno and Yeah. Well, look at Sesame Street, they did too. Yeah. What was it? Was there another one? Because uh, uh, way before Barney the Dinosaur was well, Pee Wee Herman had um whatchamacallit in it. He um uh, what's it who's uh who's the black actor who was in um the Matrix. Oh, 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 shoot. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne started off in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, yes, Pee-wee's he did. Of all, of all, <laughs> Pee-wee. Pee-wee. yeah. He was the cowboy, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> was. And Morgan Freeman started out in Electric Company. You know, Morgan Freeman wasn't even an actor until his 50s. So there's hope for everybody. If Morgan Freeman can break through the confines of whatever to be ageism racism and he did it so well, there's no excuse like 80, for anybody wasn't he 80 years old and his wife caught him having an affair i don't <laughs> know like, really i guess yeah, he did a couple years ago it was a thing it was a thing on i don't know how big of a thing it was but it was, it was a little bit of a thing that, that i think the media tried to stir but didn't, i don't think he reacted to it so it kind of went away really quickly but it was quite funny he's like oh yeah, i think it, i think react. it was more like gee he's 80 i think he's like i think it's like 85 84 85 or something now like that look and he um he had an affair, and I think I think instead of like the media, like everyone goes, "Oh my god, that's horrible!" Everyone's like, oh, "Good on you, affair, <laughs> Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> we, oh, was he? he was born in nineteen thirty-seven, so that would make him yeah. My parents are eighty-nine. Mine is five, about eighty-two, eighty-three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's a yeah. virile man, and he's still kicking it. Yeah. So much for so late starts in life. Keep keep you healthy, I guess. Yeah. But let's see. <clears throat> we got uh let me see. We got the Elaine and Deb. That was how it really ended though, wasn't it? Yeah. We had the Tates visit Chester in the hospital and they got Jody and Carol with her her bigot father, Mr. David. Who yeah, who is he played football and I that name's gonna elude me too. That's gonna I'm gonna have to start looking this stuff up. I totally forget. They have some big names in a lot of these. Uh, but you got Sally still trying to seduce Bert. I still got figure I can't wait to figure out where we're gonna go with that. Yeah, that's gonna be an interesting one. So But it, it was it was a quick watch for all these because these were a lot of fun, I thought.
So what'd you think about this? Honest, um, I, th- um, I covered a couple more episodes on YouTube. Cause I kind of watched one after another and I thought, so yeah, so I, I, I actually know what's going to happen in the next two episodes. But I well, I know it's, I know a few things are going to happen by memory. I was yeah. just trying to keep it, you know, sort of like dark shadows when you're younger. At least I was a little, I remember my brothers used to watch soap because they thought it was so funny. They watched it just because of Bert. Yeah. And and the ventriloquist. We didn't bring him up. What a what a punk he was through all this. I had to say that I was a bit. I love Chuck and Bob. Oh yeah. But I had to say that there wasn't a. He was there, but there wasn't a lot of interaction with him. He kind of was yeah. passing through the scenery a little bit. So they did make that one comment where Bob got really drunk at the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been like um, about. You know, um, about dating, that Chuck's going for a date. Bob go, you need to take me with you. And if you don't, then fine, I'm not doing the audition. So you got yeah. a little bit of that. And then he never gets to go by himself. He has to bring Bob. Oh, wait, who throws him out the window? Does somebody throws Bob out the window? Someone oh, got sick I, oh of it's Bob. Um, Benson. Benson threw him out the funny. window. Okay. So, but, um, but yeah, I, that's, I like, I want, I, I love it when Bob and Chuck have so many one-liners, but I felt uh, the one-liners haven't been as good as they were in our previous episodes. They were good, yeah. but I, cause I, when I see Bob, I just expect to laugh all the time. And I kind of yeah. like, <laughs> like that a little bit. I kind of laughed a little bit, but not, not big belly laughs like I normally Bob do. Bob is creepy. I always thought those things were creepy. I love Bob, but I still think it's creepy. And it's really weird watching the show as, as a viewer, you start thinking of him as human and he's got his own persona and it's just like, (laughs) Oh my God, it's a dummy. So you see how easy it is for them to interact with him. (laughs) It's just funny because he's like a whole other character. Mm. I mean, that's how good this guy is. I wonder whatever happened to him. I'm going to have to check that out. He does shows in Vegas and stuff. He's still around. He's still around. We should probably try to get him on our show at some point. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm sure people, but maybe he'll bring Bob. Oh, my God. What a riot. (laughs) I want it. I want an interview with Chuck and Bob. Oh, my God. Yeah, we got to see Chuck and Bob. That would be a riot. Oh, my God. I thought it was fun. I thought it was, I thought it was more of a, it was more soapy, this block. Because they were starting to hit a lot of what they're making fun of soap operas. That's what it's about. Because mm-hmm. you got the comas, you have the breakouts, you have the pregnancy, you have the the gay thing going on, and you just have all you've got all kinds of stuff going. On. You got the psychotic doctor who probably needs more help than Chester, mm-hmm. you know. Then you got Benson on the other hand. We had a like lot more tender moments as well in this. There as were. Well, you normally well, you had it between Bert point. and Mary, Bert and Elaine, Elaine and Danny. Jessica and uh, Chester, Jessica and Corinne. Jessica. And then you got all the women at the table talking about that. It wasn't, it was a light moment, but it was a real moment because yeah. women do talk about that shit. I don't care what they say. I've yeah. sat in on conversations with women that were downright pornographic. You know, it just, we are just as bad as the guys sometimes. So anybody that says they haven't is not telling you the truth. But I guess this is the end of a literary license podcast retrospective of soap season two, episode 25 to 32. 
And tune in next time. We'll be discussing our classic novel for the month of August, which is Moby Dick by Herman Melville. And we'll be also doing the movie uh, Moby Dick, of the same name, is a 1956 film with Gregory Peck, and it's directed by John Houston. And Moby Dick will be playing himself. And what I didn't know was Ray Bradbury wrote the screenplay. I did not know that. That was interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. After I read the book, I just got to see the movie now. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know about Ray Bradbury till I started digging around a little bit. So it's good night from myself, Vicky Ray, and good night to everybody. You all take care of each other. And good night from Keith. Good night, y'all. See you next time. Y'all. And oh. good night. Have a good one. Finally found a fella. Almost completely divine. But his vocabulary is killing this romance of mine. We get into an intimate situation and then begins this Romeo's Conversation He says murder He says every time we kiss He says murder He says at a time like this He says murder He says is that the language of love He says solid He says takes me in his arms He says solid He says meaning all my charms He says solid He says is that the language of love? He says, a chick, chick, you torture me. Zoop. Are we living? I'm thinking of leaving him flat. He says, dig, dig, the jumps the old ticker is given. He can't talk plainer than that. He says, murder, he says. Every time we kiss, he says, murder, he says. At a time like this, he says, murder, he says. In that impossible time, it will bring on nobody's murder but his own. He says, Jackson, he says. Emma names Marie, he says, Jackson, he says. Shoot the snoop to me, he says, Jackson, he says. Is that the language of love? He says, woof, woof, he says. When he likes my hat, he says, he says, what the heck is that? He says, he says, is that the language of love? He says, a hip hip with helium now, babe, we're cooking in other expressions to wit. He says, we're in the groove, the groove is good looking. He sounds like his uppers don't fit. Buddy!